Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Merritt Davis, talent booker, media maven, podcast enthusiast, and ready for a big, unique, out-of-this-world episode today. I am Terry Anilowitz, state representative from House District 42, and a shout-out to the lady I was talking to in Buckhead earlier. If you listen, this is your first episode. If you are listening, you're in for one. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm Jen Jordan, a former state senator, uh, practicing lawyer, and I am pretty pumped up today. This is going to be exciting. Well, we're all excited because we are here at the Tenderfoot TV studios with Payne Lindsay. You may know Payne as a filmmaker and a podcaster. He's had so many iconic podcasts, like the gold standard of podcasts. And I'm talking Up and Vanished, Atlanta Monster, and the latest, if you are into UFOs. Well, get ready because Payne Lindsay is here. And this is such a treat. Payne, thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. This is so cool. So we kind of connected in this way. I've been such a fan of your work over the years. And let's just start with the one podcast that you have out now called High Strange, which is all about UFOs. Why did you decide you wanted to do this? I mean, since I was a kid, I just loved the genre, the sci-fi stuff, you know, the idea of, you know, what if there was something else out there? I was into the Steven Spielberg movies. I liked Unsolved Mysteries. So in the back of my mind, there was always this kind of idea of it'd be cool to explore that maybe more seriously. And that's kind of how it began, just as a passion project. But as I dug a little deeper into all the information out there and talked to people who've witnessed things that are totally bizarre... I started realizing that maybe this is actually a little more serious than I thought it would be. And I should maybe take my approach a little more seriously, too, to get this message across to spark some sort of realistic conversation about this. Yeah, and I think the realistic conversation thing is is important because really a lot of the time you'll hear something, right? Somebody saw something, something happened, and you think to yourself, could that be explained by some kind of natural phenomenon, you know, there's a plane, it's whatever it is. But sometimes it can't be. And I think that is what's really cool, right? Like you can run things down and say, okay, ultimately when I investigated this, this happened. But sometimes there's a real question. Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, the weird stuff you see in the sky is probably something explainable. You know, it's probably 99.9%. But every now and then, if you shake it all down, there are some really credible accounts from credible people of things that are just still to this day unexplained, and they just have no category to go in. It's easy to just say, oh, yeah, they're they're aliens, they're spaceships, but maybe it's actually something different than that, right? Just because we don't know what it is doesn't mean we need to assign something to it, but there is something for real going on that we've not been able to rationally explain yet today with our science. Right. Right. And it doesn't have to be a dichotomy either, right? It doesn't have to be like it's completely false and you're a wacko or, you know, it's a weather balloon. I mean, there are, there can be some in-between kind of things. There can be all those things. I mean, and, and, and it's, you know, like talking about the folks who saw something, they couldn't explain it, turned out it was Skylink. Mm-hmm. Like there's There are explanations and then sometimes there aren't. There are optical illusions. I, I, I kept thinking about that phenomena of the floating ship that people see often in the North Atlantic, but wherever, where, you, where there's, it is an optical illusion. It's almost like a super mirage. And 
that is the explanation sometimes, but sometimes it's not. And these are credible people by and large. And, you know, memory is a funny thing. Recall is a funny thing. Collective memory is a really weird thing. But there are also things that yeah, we don't know the answer to yet. Well, I wanted to bring in the idea about how government and UFOs intersect. We've been seeing a lot of news about this lately where the Pentagon is basically saying like, hey, we're investigating it. And sure, it's weird, but also kind of like nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. Like there are no extraterrestrials. And you did a lot of work talking about this. I mean, is is this a shakedown from the government? They're keeping stuff from us. They're like, are they like throwing propaganda back at us? Like, you know, who do we believe? Probably in some sense, yes. I mean, because they've done that before. You know, if you look back in history after the Roswell crash, whatever that was, right? They Project Blue Book, they actually did use ridicule and tried to make this topic silly and way out there so it wouldn't be taken seriously. I think that for the most part, when they're not telling us stuff, it's probably because they don't know all the answers. And the last thing they want to do is say, we don't know what this stuff is, guys, because people might freak out. Right. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. But I also think it's probably a complicated situation where it's not like you can just say the government and that counts for everybody. There's <laughs> right, probably right. certain people in certain sectors that may not even have public names that maybe know some stuff that is the the holy grail of information that definitively says XYZ or that there's extraterrestrials or whatever. But I don't think that's just common knowledge amongst everybody. But there's tons of rumblings these days of from credible people about, you know, some pretty big stuff that they may or may not have, at least in some sectors. Well, I wonder if kind of the entry into like space travel and stuff by like private individuals and corporations and all these billionaires who apparently don't pay taxes and just make a bunch of money, um, you know, there is there's another conduit for that information. Right. Mm -hmm. So it used to be just, you know, whatever is coming in is going to the government, the whatever the government is. Um, because those are the only people who really have the ability to actually be out there looking, um, pushing, you know, sending folks into space or whatever. But now, you know, you've got private individuals that are that are going up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different now. You look in the sky in 2023 and you see something weird. There's so many things that can be now. It can I mean, be Elon Musk. It could be, Musk. Drone, right. it could be right. Elon Musk just hanging out, you know, like <laughs> always one weird. of his spaceships. Who knows, right? Well, and I think a lot also about the defense industry, right? I mean, if Lockheed, Boeing, the government, a foreign government, they're constantly developing technology. They're developing technology and their technology is evolving in a way that we really couldn't even wrap our heads around. And so I also wonder how much of that, well, there's nothing to see here, folks is that they're really trying to just obfuscate some kind of a very high-tech defense program because we know there are big investments being made into these very high-tech defense programs. So how much is that? And I also think mm -hmm. it's plausible that if you're a fighter pilot doing what it is you do with in your, in your fighter jet, you don't know about all of the things that are going on. And if you spot something, you see something. That's what I kept thinking when the New York Times ran that footage. You, know, you see something and you report it up and it might be an Air Force thing. It might be a defense thing they're probably not going to tell you, you know, it's, 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 I think there's, there's an element of that too. Like they probably know some of these things exactly what it is, but they're not going to share that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely secret technology and aircraft that they've not divulged yet to the public, and that'll always be a thing. I think, I think the ones that really stand out, though, are the objects in the sky that are moving in ways that seemingly defy the laws of physics or do not operate from some combustible engine like everything else we do. And maybe you say, okay, well, it could still be an adversary, but I think that that could be easily ruled out by what a fail that would be for the U.S. government, for China or Russia to have advanced us by a thousand years. Right. What have we been doing this whole time? Why? Right. I mean, literally, the, the biggest kind of issue we've had of late is balloons, right? I was mm -hmm. a little taken aback by kind of the who around the fact that, it, you know. It was so weird. I don't, I don't it know was why. super it was weird, weird, but it's like balloons, and it's, it was, it, you know, I'm like, China, come on, guys. Like, right, you know. Right. That's some basic stuff right that's there. Some, right. That's some super basic stuff. stuff. But right. it's also, I think, part of the design of that particular You, you think they thing. were just kind of you know, messing with us, right? Yeah. They were trying to go under the radar? Literally. Uh, so uh, now you have an interview on High Strange with this guy, Travis Walton, who this like that's why I say about High Strange that listening to, to your podcast, I think is great because it's like even if you're a skeptic, it's still a great series to listen to because it will test, you know, what you like. I believe and I want to believe all of it. But you talk to this guy who like there's some legitimate concrete so can you walk us through a little bit about that story mm -hmm. and also how you landed an interview with him? This guy claims he was abducted for five days and kind of has proof to back it up. Yeah, I mean, if you just Google abductions on the Internet, you're going to find tons of people on Reddit or something claiming that they've been abducted. And who knows, maybe they have. But a lot of it sounds a little out there and really hard to believe. And there's no evidence to back that up. Right. But this was a case that was so heavily backed by facts that it, it made you look at it a lot differently. And so his name's Travis Walton, and he's from Snowflake, Arizona, and he was a logger when he was in his early 20s. It was 1975, and he was gathering in his truck with all of his coworkers to go home through the woods, and they encountered this flying saucer that was hovering there. And he just instinctually ran out of the truck and went towards it, I guess, to get a closer look. And then that's when his, his friends claimed that he was struck by some sort of beam that was emitted from the craft, and they just freaked out and drove off. And then... Nice friends. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? right? Yeah, just leave them there to die with the aliens, right? Right, right. Yeah, Snowflake, Arizona, they indeed. Fast, yes. I think they were probably yelling and fighting in the car, like, should we have done that? And yes. they came to their senses, like, we should probably go check on Travis. So it wasn't too long later that they went to go check. And when they did, he was just gone. And it hadn't been very long at all. And from that point forward, they're, okay, well, let's go to the police and, you know, say what we, what we saw and what happened. Not realizing how absolutely insane this might sound <laughs> to the local sheriff. And uh, they immediately thought that they probably killed Travis. You know, why, why would they make up this completely insane story? But then day goes by, another day goes by, and the dude's missing. And for five whole days, they did dog searches, helicopter searches everywhere. And Travis Walton was a legitimate missing person. And the sheriff's department was considering pressing charges against these men because it just seemed like they probably murdered him. 
and then all of a sudden he just shows up randomly five days later, five days later, disheveled, big beard from, you know, five-day growth of beard. He'd lost over 10 pounds, and he comes back with this bizarre story about being on this alien spaceship for what felt like to him an hour or two, and that's it. Did they do toxicology on him? Um, did they do that? I mean, 1975 toxicology. What was the toxicology, Mike? He knows. All, no drugs. And they found yeah. Dehydrated. Dehydrated. Yeah. So, yeah they did, a doctor assessed him, and there was no drugs in his system. He didn't take a hit of acid right before right, this I was thing like, happened. LSD, I mean, the that would 70s explain things, guy, right? right? No, that would put you running off in the woods. Right. Yeah, exactly. Five days was a really good trip. <laughs> That's a big like, bender legit, right there. Like, That's serious. some Grateful Dead stuff right there. Yeah. But, like... I, so you interview him, and at first, like, I have to say, like, you found this guy, and he almost backed out on you, it seems like. Seems like it, right? So how do you find him? Are you just, like, going down in the weeds? And, like, how do you make that intro call? Like, hey, I want you to relive this traumatic moment in your life mm-hmm. for my podcast about UFOs. So I, I found him on Facebook. And I sent him a message, and he never replied to me. I don't think he even really saw it or read it. And there was no other way to to find him. He had no social media. He wasn't in the white pages. And so I was pretty convinced that this was his Facebook. And I was talking to one of my friends, and this sounds completely untrue, but it is. He, for whatever reason, knew this guy. He was like a, a fan of sci-fi stuff, and I don't know how they linked up. But he had once reached out to him. And he had his number, and he just connected us on love it. group text. And honestly, if it weren't for him, I would not have been able to talk to him. And he was still kind of reluctant to do it. I mean, and I don't blame the guy. He's been telling this story now for, you know, half a century. And um, and people not believing him. People I mean, not believing right. him. And, it, and if it was, if it really happened, then this has to be a traumatic thing to yes. relive in an interview for a podcast. I believed him. Did you guys believe him? Did, I, I, I mean, I totally, I, <laughs> I mean, he sounded believable, but right. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm a skeptic about everything, but, but I do believe in, in other life forms out there. So I don't think it's outside of the norm, but it's just one of those things because it happened so long ago mm-hmm. that it just makes you wonder, is there another explanation for maybe what happened to sure. him. Right. But. Like, yeah, my gut instinct, if I'm here in hooves, I'm always going to assume it's horses and, and not zebras and or <laughs> unicorns yeah, or if whatever. you're on LSD. <laughs> but whatever. But, I do yeah. believe right. he believes, I, I think he believes this and I think that something happened to him for five days mm-hmm. and there's corroboration, right, with what his friends who left him in the woods. Right, the circumstantial yeah, the, the, stuff. It all loops all back around it. and why would a bunch of loggers concoct something like this? Like, that doesn't make sense either. So no. something something happened. I definitely believe that he believes it. He is. It's not like he's trying to profit from this. It's right. not like he's trying to turn this into some kind of a cottage industry the way that I think people sometimes would if they're making something up. Yeah. This is why I like this case is because that the alternative is almost just as weird or weirder. Right. No, yeah. totally. So no yeah. matter what, this is just... Point blank interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the hell happened? If, if this was all made up, then that's equally, if not more interesting to me at this point, that these guys who weren't even that close of friends 
have kept this pact going for how long now and to what end? Almost 50 years. Right. Yeah. It's like, why? It's, yeah, it was really bizarre. So do you think that like, because the big thing that they keep saying in these like Pentagon meetings that have been coming up just this week is that they can't confirm any extraterrestrial. That seems to be like the running theme through a lot mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Do we think that aliens could be living among us? Ooh, Mara. Hmm. Like, that's a little weird. Uh, well, it could I mean, explain a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's your George Santos maybe, explanation right there. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing because it's just like, or are we in an alternate universe? <sighs> All right, Mara. Or are we? I mean, so the Pentagon's in the like, they're, they're saying right, that right. they can't definitively. Right say that it's extraterrestrial but that's like saying you can't definitively say what anything like well you can't definitively that, say this guy murdered yeah, this person right. but you know that he did right it's like okay it's like their language actually indicates yeah. that there is real evidence that there is and right this right? guy's just yeah. probably a vocal piece you yeah. know the rumor is that some somewhere in the government probably in a, a private entity at this point and they've even like located possibly where it would be in las vegas that they have spacecraft from probably years ago that they're trying to reverse engineer. Maybe it's pieces. Maybe it's a whole craft over here. And I bet it's a very small group of people who know specifically about that. And it's probably a lot of scientists. But I don't think it'd be smart of them to, you know, I guess, arm this guy who's the vocal piece for the Pentagon with all this information. Yeah. Sure. So he's probably telling the truth. But what are they sitting there saying? All those videos are still classified. Why? Right. Don't if they're all balloons. To, uh, don't, right. And, and they don't, also, don't you think you guys, they need to upgrade the, like, the UFO, like, propaganda? Like, you would think it's probably not a flying saucer anymore. Maybe the right. technology's gotten better. And, like, the little green men, like, come on. Like, that. <laughs> I mean, if it's the government, I don't think they need to change anything because it's working. Oh, right. Well, like, for sure. What, you know, what, yeah. what they're doing is working. They don't need to change a thing. And. I do think it does all, you know, if the government is reverse engineering spacecraft, it all comes back down to defense capabilities. Yes. Right. And and I think, you know, there is a question like, okay, so we have this. Is this something from Russia? Is this something from China? Or is this, I mean, is this from a different universe, dimension, right. planet, whatever it is? I mean, it's just so much more complicated. What would it take to say that this is definitively not from anywhere else on Earth. <laughs> what would that, like? What information would you have to be able to say that? Oh, I mean, they can. That's I mean, a good point. Well, but they can determine if a rock in the bottom of the ocean is a meteorite, right? They they, they know that there are elements that don't appear on Earth. Even if all the elements were from space, you could still say, well, maybe Russia got their hands on this stuff somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. So they could probably never definitively say that unless there was some sort of being within the craft that was not human or some other really strong indicator that it's no way that that there's no way that it's an adversary here on earth. Right. And, and, and we're at a time in, in our lives where like there are two realities for everybody. Like you can't like literally like you could be like, this is a pen and you would find people saying, no, "No, it's not. (laughs) Not to me. It's not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, and how, yeah. and, And to the degree that the, that, People, the government, whomever are are, I think, purposely sending people down little goose chase snipe hunts with information. It's like I think back to you know the Roswell story, and you talked about this too. When someone calls the funeral home guys, like we need a bunch of small coffins, like 
I think that that was throwing people off the scent, being like, here, go chase this. This Could is be. this is what we're going to give you. This is the little morsel of steak we're going to give you to distract you from the stuff we're trying to get done over here. There's a basic concept to me that t- tells me that Roswell had to be something at least something. a little interesting. Right. Oh, yeah. If it was a weather balloon, like the one they took a picture of that didn't look big at all, no one would even notice it crashed. It wouldn't have been a story even. It's like, why is it even a thing? Something happened that was at least significant, and that wasn't significant enough for the way you, you reacted to it. Oh, my God. I love this stuff. It's so freaking <laughs> it's great. It's fun to ponder, right? It really is. So, Payne, you've done a lot of podcasts, and oh, I mentioned Up and Vanish, and which this has the Georgia connections to it. So that was... Was that your first big true crime series that you had done? That was my very first podcast, really. And that was the story of Tara Grinstead, who mm-hmm. uh, went missing. She was a teacher in, what's the town again? Osceola, Georgia. Osceola, Georgia. Rock and rural. You know that area well, right, Jen? Yeah, well, Osceola, that's, is that pig jug country? Uh, probably. Okay. Whatever that means. I don't know. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> Sounds like it. So what's interesting is... I was in high school when all of this was going down. So I remember when she disappeared, um, she was this, because she was this beauty queen. And so, you know, in South Georgia, especially at the time, or rural Georgia, I mean, beauty queens are everything. And then not only that, but then she was a teacher too. And, and she's gone. And it was really a scary time because it was like, what happened to this young woman? I mean, this young woman. Yeah, no, it was weird. I mean, she was like she literally evaporated, and there's very little evidence at all. No motive seemingly from anywhere. I mean, enough persons of interest to keep you running around guessing, but even those people didn't really seem like they could have done this. And yeah. it was just like really bothersome case. And I, I see why it took them so long to solve it because it didn't make any sense, really. Well, no. what kind of got you? Like, you know, it's not like you're from down there, right? It's not right. like you. Like I said, I grew up and I heard about this. Like, so what makes you say, I think that this is worth spending some time on? I mean, just really reading the log line of the case, I was like, well, what the hell happened to her then? Like, she just left this barbecue and she's never seen from again and her car is still here. And there's this latex glove in the yard. Yeah, that's weird. Like, but, what's going on? And of the person, there were a lot of persons of interest, but none of them seemed like they'd be capable of covering it up in the way that it, like, there was just no evidence. No, nothing. And that to me was was baffling. And I just, just genuinely, personally wanted to figure out what the hell happened here. And I kind of just used my own curiosity to, to fuel me into, you know, having the courage to go dig around in this cold case and start talking to people in the town. And what was that like? I mean, they because at that time, you know, look, podcasting is still a relatively new medium. And, and there are just a lot of people there. I'm not saying that they don't know what that is or whatever, but you must have been an unfamiliar vibe for the people in Osceola, Georgia. Yeah. I mean, the way I remember it now, it's pretty clear to see. There was a before the arrest and after the arrest, uh, like, way that things were going. At first, they were pretty welcoming for some random podcaster from Atlanta trying to figure out what happened to Tara Grinstead. They'd had other news stations there before, and 
other big true crime stories done on television about it. So they've been used to seeing other journalists and stuff kind of come through over the years to do a spotlight piece on this case. And so for the most part, people were pretty open with me. But once the arrest happened, it I think it just everyone was so charged about what happened. And they were probably pretty pissed that there was someone living in this town that had done this and gotten away with it for so long. And, you know, why didn't they find this guy? And so for some people who were locals, I think that the way they looked at it was, you know, who who do I point the finger at? Like, who do I get mad at? Is it the police or is it this guy? And some people just chose me. Yeah. Well, you had the... I didn't say it made sense. It was but. sort of like, wasn't it like the, the Scooby-Doo effect? Like, we would have been fine if it wasn't for this kid. Yeah, I guess we still wouldn't know anything. You're right. Yeah, the truth hurts. It's ugly. It's not always pretty. Well, and then people take sides, too. I mean, because this, the, these people had been around, right? And then, you know, they're adults now. Um, mm-hmm. And they've lived their lives the way they lived their lives. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, it can't be so-and-so or... Like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah. I mean, this is just crazy. And I can see, but it, but it it was a huge deal. I mean, Tara was my age. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, it was serious. It was serious stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was very scary for the And the for town. you. I mean, like, and people, me, yeah. like, I remember, like, just, like, look, because I, I think I had to listen to it, like, when you had, like, everything was out. Mm-hmm. And it was just. I was, like, scared for you, like, oh, my God. I'm sure you got called boy a lot. Yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) I mean, at the height of it, and when I was poking around, it was such a real living, breathing thing. And, you know, the GBI is scouring our discussion board, and persons Mm -hmm. of interest are, you know, divulging details of the case. You know, they're also pissed at me for who knows what, and, um... It was like every action I took, every step I took, you know, would open some other new door. And I would was literally, you know, having a phone call with somebody and uploading the episode that night. And then that would prompt someone else to talk to me. And I'd be putting all this stuff into the next episode coming out in seven days. And it was really genuinely affecting the case and allowing new information to come through. And your, I'm sure your mental health in a way too, because like people were like, first of all, how do you vet how somebody, if somebody's real and they're not just bullshitting you? And yeah, they, that would you know, be hard. Yeah, because that's hard. Is because because you're crowdsourcing information right. basically, whether you want to or not. I mean, some people have a better bullshit meter than others, honestly, and you know that's not like a very scientific thing. It doesn't. Everyone's not always cool with that kind of answer, but. Um, you know, that, that's something I feel like I've always been able to pick up on a little bit. Doesn't mean I can't be fooled. I have been fooled, I can uh, for sure. But sometimes, like, you you can't get too excited about the information that you're hearing. I think that's it. You can't knee-jerk react right. to yeah. stuff. Don't fall in love with it. Right? Yeah, so if, you, so if you just, like, step back and, like, take a beat and look at it for what it is, if it's, if it's obviously bullshit, it's going to be pretty obvious at some point. And so I just kind of use that as one of my guides in how I approached people. And then there were other people who seemed like they may actually have some information and they're just afraid to tell it to you. Mm-hmm. And so you got to approach that a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how you ladies are, were, are and were at the state house, right? You have to vet that information that comes through. 
Oh, well, and you have to understand. Yeah, I, I got go a into, bullshit meter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got I a bullshit. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I know. You like, know yeah. when somebody's. You know, well, it's like I was talking with somebody about this earlier. You, know, you get an email from somebody and they're emailing, you know, 30 different elected officials about mm-hmm. I mean, I got one today, you know, this email of this young woman who she told me where she was in college and I was able to get in touch with the the dean of the college to be like, hey, you might want to check on this student because she thinks someone's messing with her with sorcery. And, what? you know, just like, you know, but there could be some mental health issues. There might sorcery. be. Sorcery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, just, anyway, she's, they're intervening and she'll be able to get okay. you to go to college. You're not, there, there are things like that where you know, but then there are things where like, you hear about, especially if someone's calling about someone's criminal case or something, there's a judge or the police aren't looking into something. And there's always many, 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 many more sides to what's going on there. I mean, a lot of times, like I'll say, well, you need to look into what's happening with this DA and you know, you'll call, like I'll go, let me call somebody. And I'm sure you've done the same thing. Like what's, what's the background? What's the real story? What's, what's going on? And, and there's always a kernel of, of the truth in there, but there's also People are trying to get, you know, I feel like when people reach out to us, just like no matter the issue, if it's someone who thinks someone's casting a spell on them or if it's someone who's trying to get you to vote for their bill, they're going to present information to you in a way that they hope and intend will draw you over to their side. And so you have to have that bullshit meter because you're nobody's going to give you the whole story on anything. Well, and I think the thing for you in particular, and in terms of especially kind of true crime stuff, too, I mean, as a lawyer... I mean, I almost get this feeling like all I can think is like defamation. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're making allegations or somebody saying, yeah, that guy, he's a murderer. Um, you got to do a real gut check because if you're <laughs> yeah. wrong, you could be in some really big trouble. Yeah, not very cool if you're wrong. Yeah, not yeah. cool at all. So um, I, I know that um, we're all fascinated with true crime here and um, you may had have had successful podcasts dealing and a podcast company that deals with true crime. And now it seems like more and more people are doing that. So how do you know when a story is really legit, like up and vanished to me and that we've seen so many of these series that legitimately make change, legitimately reach out to politicians to try and get people on parole or wrongful convictions? How do you know when a story is really ripe to cover for a series like you did with Up and Vanished? I mean, you really don't know for sure until you get in the trenches with the story. And, but, you know, it, I've covered a lot of different cases and different stories uh, over several years now. And so you kind of develop a little bit of uh, a sight or sense for, you know, there being aspects of a case that you could maybe, you know, affect or, you know, try to go down this avenue because there might be some more there that no one's found yet. And so I never know for sure about anything until I'm on the ground actually talking to people. But before that, it's more of a a gut feeling and reading whatever is out there that may exist and kind of, you know, piecing all that stuff together and trying to envision what might be missing or, you know, where's the first place I go? Who's the guy I really want to talk to, like the most? Who is that person? Is he around? Is he over here? What's up with him? And like, you can just do that and be like, well, this guy over here is pretty sus. Right. (laughs) And I may be wrong, but I don't think that they've ruled this guy out. Maybe I could do that or maybe he's ruled back in. And so 
it's kind of a thing where you have to really be on the ground and talk to people and go exploring and get people to open up about what they remember, what they know about this person. And then it's your job to kind of piece it all together and try to build some sort of narrative that could be the answer. Yeah, these series you're doing are very, very compelling. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to say one thing, too. Yes. There's a legislative link. So this year mm. in the Georgia General Assembly, there was, I think it was House Bill 88. It's called the Coleman-Baker Act. And it is was prompted, I think, in part by what podcasters and investigative journalists are uncovering. And this is a bill that, that lets families have cold case files reopen after six years. It'll have, you know, it makes it easier for DNA evidence that might have been processed in a way that was state-of-the-art or state-of-the-science 25 years ago, but now they can do a whole lot more with that little scrap of DNA evidence. And I, th- I, I, I definitely think there is a relationship between what's happening with cold cases mm-hmm. because of podcasts. And I think that Up and Vanished, I think, can arguably said kind of kicked, kicked a lot of this off. But there's, leg- there's legislation well, it to makes address sense. this. It makes sense because, you know, when you get the open records request and you like, listen, I listen to so many of these podcasts and I can think off the top of my head of, of change that's been made, like In the Dark, Bear Brook, You're Up and Vanished. Obviously, Serial is, you know, still very much in the news. Uh, Bone Valley is an open case right now. I mean, there's just so uh, in the land of lies, that's a local story. Um you know, where you, where people are like going back and or or what's the other one? Root of evil. Oh, my God. That's another one with the DNA. Listen, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she knows all these podcasts. My, my poor friends are just like, we, we know, Mara, <laughs> we know, we know. But it is it is unbelievable that like we can really get there now. I mean, your case of Tara Grinstead, I mean, that really made that was like very big news of of. Stones being, but, but it also gives people hope. I mean, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. What, what Terry was talking about in terms of the Coleman Baker Act or whatever. I mean, you've got Rhonda Sue Coleman from Hazelhurst, Georgia, where she disappears in 1990, completely unsolved, and that's Hazelhurst, Jeff Davis County. I mean, my guess is they did not have access to any kind of real forensic kind no. of modern policing at that time, right? And so it's like. There's nothing we can do. And then even in terms of Tara Baker, she was a first-year law student at the University of Georgia School of Law in Athens. But that was over 20 years ago. And we know kind of the strides that have been made since then. And so, you know, they listen to your podcast, Ben, and they're like, look what happened for for Tara Grinstead and her family. family. And maybe, maybe we can have that happen for us. And I think it's incredibly powerful that you can push policy and change in a way just because you had an idea and you had some real questions. I mean, look, if a case is cold for over a decade and you have no idea who did this, what are you doing? And, you know, I'll, I'll put in a request to the GBI and say, you know, I'd love to see the case files for Tara Grinstead's disappearance. You know, immediate no, citing an open investigation. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. What, what are you doing? You're not doing it. You're not investigating but, anything. But normal people don't get and, that. And you don't have to bullshit, prove it to right? me either. And what's funny is, you know, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll die on this hill because it's true. Had I actually got the case files and I went through them, in there was a little piece of information 
that could have solved this case. That in 2005, that they went out to that pecan orchard, and clearly, uh, when I asked them for the files, they didn't, like, go right back through it or something. They were like, no, and then just went about their day, I guess. So I, I think that there is... I get that sometimes you need to withhold information, but it's completely overdone. It doesn't matter if you, if only the killer would know this, if you never find the killer. Right. It's, it's like right. it, it's right. defeating the point. If it's been 20 years, what are we doing? Let's try something new here, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think I that agree. that's an archaic way of thinking in, you know, a sheriff's department or whatever it is. And they should be more open to trying something a little out of the box. Well, some people do. I mean, there are some people there that are, are some that do. And I think they're having better success rates with right. their cold cases. Yeah. Right. Well, and testing, you know, finally getting to the point where we're actually testing all the rape kits, kit samples that yeah, have but been we're not collecting. Even close. I mean, no, we're on. not even right. close. But when we get, you know, but that's you make progress there. Mm -hmm. And there have been I mean, in, in, you know, Smyrna, where I am, they, they solved a bunch of cases. Once they finally tested a rape kit, right. they were able to get the answer to a bunch of other rapes. Right, that, a bunch huge. of other rapes that could have been prevented if actually the testing had been timely right. on the front end. So, well, right. And that's really the, the other issue is that people don't want the bright light of scrutiny on what they did or what they didn't do. And yeah. that's a lot of the time why they'll shut the door on you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, they yeah. don't want people saying that, you know, police didn't do their job or GBI didn't do their job. And when other people are kind of coming in and saying, hey, we want to look into it more, they, they may not want the truth really out there or yeah, it's inconvenient. I mean, it's, a, it's a human thing to probably think that way in yeah. that position. But I think that you got to evolve out of that. And if your goal is to, to solve a case, then you should be open to other possibilities and ways to approach it. Terry, yeah, can we get a bill uh, next session for, for something like this? Well, when we have the bill this session, and then it's... Which is huge. Yeah which, yeah, which is huge. But the other thing, too, it's, 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 it's not right that these families who have already suffered the trauma of not knowing who or why or even what happened to this person who they loved, and they've got to then spend all of this time advocating, 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 making the case for why the law needs to change. That's a big burden that we're putting on people who have suffered just an incalculable loss. Yeah, that's a lifetime effort, most likely. Oh, it is. I mean, that's what that was for the families of, you know, of, of Tara Baker, Ronnie Sue Coleman. I mean, they, it was, it took them years yeah. before they got to the point where there was actually legislation drafted. Yeah, well... There's a lot of space with podcasts now, um, and everybody should check out High Strange, um, which is, you know, if you may want to believe, you may not want to believe. Have people, before we wrap up, since the podcast has come out, have you had um, people now contacting you saying, I saw it all UFO too. Oh, yeah, I got some <laughs> some weird emails in there. Like what? Like the what? sorcery kind. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, got give, it up, give it up. Give it up. There's definitely some some weird ones in there. There's, there's a few outliers, too, where it's like, oh, this seems actually pretty legitimate. And it's like a real person who has a real job and is respectable and probably wouldn't say something like this right. if he was making it up, right? Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I made this show really kind of specifically for the non-believer. It was kind of the skeptic's approach, the healthy, balanced approach. It seems like most things that have ever been made about UFOs and aliens in Hollywood have kind of been made for the niche people who believe or want to believe. That's kind of a, it's not objective enough for me to get down with it all the time. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of almost take a true crime approach to it and 
you know, parse out the information and just actually examine what's out there. Mm-hmm. So your audience is the Scully, not the Mulder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Payne, thanks so much for having us at our stu- at your studios today. At our studios, I'm like, this is my dream it's studio. Yours now. Yes. <laughs> Anytime. It's uh, be careful what yeah, you be wish very, for. Yeah, you do careful. live close. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah true. I do live around the corner. I'm like, ooh, this is that's right true. here. Pan is right <laughs> here. Um, thanks so much, everybody. Check out High Strange and Up and Vanish and all the other podcasts that you do. Um, Terry and Jen, thanks for coming here. Any final words? Any? Yes, because I was such a loser in our, you know, what we're loving segment last time when I said soup. Um, oh, right. We, do, oh, yeah, we, should, we should probably do that. What we're excited about this week. Did you want to give one? Yes, I want to give one. And specifically, I think it it kind of marries perfectly kind of with the whole idea of the unsolved mysteries around um, girls in Georgia disappearing, being murdered, all this kind of stuff. So for those of you who are not familiar with a Georgia author named Karen Slaughter, mm. unfortunately, oh, yeah, she's, she's got author. a really bad last name because all she writes about is murder. Yeah. But maybe it's a really good last name. It's perfect oh, in some ways. I, I, right. Seems but appropriate. I, I love all of her books. She's very prolific, about 30. But I read or I listened to one of her earliest titles. It was from 2015, and it was called Pretty Girls. Mm-hmm. And it is really, really good. And what's great about um, Karen's books is because she bases everything in Georgia, she talks about all of the things we know about. And so this young woman that she talks about is a um, is a freshman at the University of Georgia who up and disappears and is oh. grabbed. And, and then kind of everything that happens in the ensuing 20 years after. And it is, uh, it's pretty compelling. And the sheriff was involved in the murder. It's, it's, it's wow. a little tough. But it's a really, really good listen. And so if you're if you're not familiar with her, you should you should definitely listen to that book and I bet you'll be hooked. All right, Terry, is there your something you're raving about this week? Well, I'm still gonna rave about Rebecca Mackay's book. I have some questions for you because it's relevant to what we're talking about today too, with having to do with you know, have you have you read it, Payne? It's, no, I haven't. Okay, read it's 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 I downloaded it. Good. So, You're yeah. going to love it. But it's also like you think you might be heading in a direction and then in a podcast in a podcast and you're like, oh, wait, no, it was right here the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do that again because the rest of my life has been consumed by my children's sports playoff. Games. <laughs> I'm going to rave about season three of the show Dave on FX. Oh, yeah. I haven't started it yet. Is uh, it awesome? It's no the, spoilers. It's the best. And especially sure episode three, which is the Atlanta episode mm. where like Killer Mike is on it. Mm-hmm. Rick Ross is on it. And it's really, really funny. And it's does Atlanta right? And it's, I love that show. What about you? Is there something you're raving about this week, Payne? I'm pumped to start binging, and I haven't started it yet, uh, the new season of Succession. The oh, la- the it's great. Um, oh. And, yeah, I already know it's going to be amazing, but I, I, I'm selfishly kind of letting a couple pile up so I can just But don't read the nice internet, little, though. Yeah, do not. I, I'm, I got the blinders on, <laughs> tunnel does. vision. Uh, yeah, but I, I just want to get at least like three at once, right? Just like Nice little palate cleanser. But yeah, I'm super pumped for the show. I love that show. Well, so. I'm surprised you haven't been spoiled. I know. I, I've really kind of purposefully not, like, if I see something, I just, I, boop, and volume down. I'm yeah. Scrolling past it. Yeah. It's, That's impressive. I, I, I can't it's avoid tempting. spoilers. It's tempting. I, I can't either because I'm too addicted to the internet and all that. I can't, <laughs> like, I just have to know, like, well, yeah, that day. Yeah. It's just like, for sale, like, I read the end of books all the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just like you You're that there. person. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Of you oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I enjoy <laughs> the book more. I don't like suspense. Yeah. You're worst. like, I, I kind of want to know where this goes. Yeah. yeah I want to know. I know. I want 
what I don't oh. expect, then I can just I get it. soak in and enjoy. Although I did not do that with the Rebecca Buckeye book because it's actually harder to do that on the Kindle. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, Payne, <laughs> I hope you'll help us back one day. We love being here. This was so Absolutely. much fun. Everybody check out Tenderfoot uh, TV. You can find out more about the podcast. And thanks for having us in your gorgeous fantasy yes. studios. Thanks Fan- for coming. Fantasy. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>